You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, episode number 44. And ladies, I have a really great guest today. And here's the thing. You know, most of you know that I'm a, I'm a woman's health medical provider and the girly parts are kind of my gig, my jam. Okay. I've been doing it for 26 years. And today I am so excited because I got the opportunity to interview Isa Herrera. She is an integrative pelvic floor specialist. And we had such a great talk about the girly parts, about the vajayjay. So before I introduce her, I just want to let you know that we do use the word vagina. We do talk about orgasm in this episode. So if you've got small kids in the car and you don't want anybody hearing, you might want to put your earbuds in and listen to this one on your own. So let me first introduce Isa. Isa Herrera is the founder and CEO of pelvicpainrelief.com and a licensed physical therapist, as well as an expert in integrative pelvic floor therapies. She developed her expertise in diagnosing and treating incontinence, pelvic pain, and pelvic organ prolapse by helping over 14,000 women since 2005 at her New York healing center, Renew PT. Isa's new online school, www.pelvicpainrelief.com, brings her expertise to a global audience. After suffering from pelvic floor dysfunction herself after the birth of her daughter, Isa has made it her life's mission to help 1 million women overcome pelvic floor disorders. To this end, Isa created the Female Pelvic Alchemy online program, which empowers women to take back their pelvic health and awaken their inner doctor. Isa pioneered the use of integrative modalities like Maya massage, cold laser therapy, sound healing, and adagen energy techniques with evidence-based physical therapy in ways that have never been done before. She brings a mind-body approach to all of her pelvic healing programs. She's also the author of five books on the topic of pelvic floor dysfunction and pain, including the newly released international bestseller, Female Pelvic Alchemy. So... I also wanted, I wanted to invite you to a free masterclass that Isa is offering. It's called the five steps to happier lady parts, stop leaking, heal prolapse and relieve pain without setting foot in the doctor's doctor's office. So besides sharing proven self-healing exercises, ones that you can apply that day and go home and do them in the privacy of your home, that'll help you regain bladder control, heal your lower back pain and eliminate discomfort or excruciating pain during intimacy. This is going to be a safe place, ladies, where you can connect with women just like you and talk about pelvic pain, leaking, vaginal pain, sex, and more. So no more suffering in silence because we all know, and Issa knows that you are not alone and we don't want you to feel alone. So space for this masterclass is limited. It's free. I said, and it's happening on February 6th at 8 PM Eastern standard time. So if you want to go and sign up for the link, it's over in our show notes. You can go click the link over there, or you can go to our home page on podcast page at www.wellwomannetwork.com forward slash episode 44 and click on the link there as well. So with no further ado, let's hop on into the episode and let's talk all things Vajayjay with my guest and fellow Vajayjay geek, Issa Herrera. Well, women, it's time for a new perspective on women's health. A time to understand that your greatest wealth is your health. A time to make self-care your number one priority. A time to recognize that good health is the only way to live your best life and do all that you can in this world. 
So join me on this journey where we'll explore women's health topics from a medical provider's viewpoint, have conversations about everyday healthy lifestyle options, and enjoy interviews with other well women we can all learn from. It's time to demystify women's health and learn practical ways to apply self-care to every part of our lives. This is the Well Woman Lifestyle Podcast, and I'm your host, Michelle Broad, certified women's and adult nurse practitioner, daughter, wife, mother, and all-out women's health enthusiast. So you ready to start the journey? Let's go. Well, welcome, ladies, and we have a special guest again today, and her name is Isa Herrera. She's a licensed physical therapist and an expert in integrative pelvic floor therapies, and she's also the author of four books on the topic of pelvic healing. And I know that a lot of our audience really has a lot of issues with um, some pelvic pain. I see a lot of that in my patient population, so I am so excited to have this conversation with you. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. I'm coming to you from New York City, and I am just, you know, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about, so I'm really grateful for this invitation. Thank you. Yeah, no, I looked, I was over, I was on your website, and I was just like, oh my God, I just love this, because so many women have so many issues with this particular topic. So to find somebody out there who specializes in this, I am fantastic and I'm over the moon about it. So tell me a little bit, I know that you know your bio, but tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to get to this thing of pelvic healing and that was your specialty. Okay. Uh, yeah, I love to share that story with you. You know, I was in PT school for many years. I actually went to medical school for a year and that didn't really uh, resonate with me. So I go to PT school because I really want to focus on women's health. It's my passion. I was a personal trainer. I'm still a personal trainer for over 25 years. And I go to PT school and I learned nothing, nothing about pelvic floor or about pelvic health, or about women's health. And it turns out that I was also pregnant when I was in PT school, you know, and there's nothing like really understanding healing until something actually happens to you. And after I had my baby, I had no idea. Here I am, a physical therapist. I had no idea of what could happen to a woman's pelvis. And I mean, I had it all. I, I was leaking. I had sexual pain from a scar. I had a prolapse. And every time I went back to my doctor, my doctor kept telling me, oh, this is normal. It's going to get better. You're going to heal. Things are going to be better. And I'm like, okay, I will leave the appointment. I go home and I say, okay, things are going to get better. This is just a normal healing process. And this went on and on for about three months. And at three months, I hit the wall. I hit the wall with depression, with the pain. You know, what, what was my life going to be like? Was I always going to be in this kind of horrific pain? And I said, you know what? I'm going to put to use what I actually know about the body and about muscles because this is a set of muscles. It's nothing more and nothing less than that. And so then I started shattering all the top doctors in the country trying to learn whatever I could learn. I took every course you could possibly imagine and then some. And then I, I, I applied it to my own healing, you know, and then I realized that I wasn't the only one. There's so many of us are suffering in silence and so many of us like me suffering in shame. 
thinking that we did something wrong, thinking that, that it was our fault somehow that we got this pain, that maybe I wasn't in the right position for birthing and maybe I didn't speak up and et cetera. So that, that's how I started. And, and then I just, it became my life's mission to really be um, out there to help women recover because I don't think anyone needs to go through this kind of pain. Yeah, I know you're so true. I think that a lot of times we get into the field that we're in because of things that happen to us and that we've got to find a way to help ourselves too. So that's so true because I remember for myself, I had, um, I got into hormones because I had horrific hormonal disruption after I had my two kids. And back then, you know, we didn't have all the knowledge that we have today. It was just like, it was in your head. You were crazy. Mm -hmm. Probably like what, you know, you were told go home. It's, it's just, it'll all balance out. And then after a while when it's not, and you're sitting on the floor, you know, crying and just wondering where the hell happened to yourself, you know, it's like, okay, so then you start on, on going on this mission to try to figure out what's going on for you. And I know that a lot of women have, you know, um, pelvic floor issues, not only just from pregnancy, episiotomies, they have vaginismus, all these other topics, you know, interstitial cystitis that all cause pain down in this pelvic area. And, you know, it's been, it's not like it's a taboo subject, you know, but it's a subject that really we don't talk about a lot and there's not a lot out there. So talk to me about, you know, what is pelvic floor dysfunction and, you know, where does it start? And, you know, how does a woman even know sometimes if she's having these things or where she can seek out other things? Oh, absolutely. So what we have to remember about the pelvic floor is that they're the great conduit, right? I call it Grand Central Station because I live in New York City. So I relate everything to Grand Central Station. It's really the relay station, right? Between the upper and the lower extremity. So it has touch points to almost every single part of your body. Okay. So the pelvic floor muscles, I mean, they have, I call it the five S's of life, you know, they're sphincteric, they're sexual, they, they provide uh, stability. They're like a sump pump, right? They also have a big thing in sexual function. So the main thing here is that anything can go wrong. If anything goes wrong with the pelvic floor, it's going to have a massive effect on your bladder. So you may, you may have um, symptoms like you're leaking, which is what everybody knows about with cough, sneeze, or laugh. Or you may be going to the bathroom like 15 times a day, or you may have pain with urination. Or because they have a supportive function, you may feel something, some deep pressure in the pelvis. Maybe there's a prolapse that's going on because the muscles are either too weak or too tight. Um, some, the catch-all phrase now is pelvic congestion. You know, if they can't figure it out, they say, hey, you got pelvic congestion. So that's another thing. Or, or a lot of women have, um, they, they can't orgasm or they have disappointing orgasms or they've never orgasm or they have pain with um, deep sexual penetration or even initial penetration. Some women just have pain when they put clothes on Oh, it's sitting, you know, so it can really, it's a full gamut or pain with, with, with defecation is a big one that everybody thinks, oh, it's just because it's my nutrition, but sometimes it's really an issue of the pelvic floor. So these are some of the, some of the, the symptoms related to pelvic floor dysfunction when there's something going on with these muscles. And can, um, is it just anything that can trigger this off or, you know, just how does it, how does it even start? You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it starts with trauma. Sometimes there's an emotional component to it. Sometimes it starts because you simply fall on your tailbone and nobody knows how to address tailbone fractures. And that happens a lot in childbirth or a tailbone injury and the pelvic floor muscles attached to the tailbone. Sometimes it happens when there's many bouts of antibiotics and we the flora in the vaginal area is completely um, just shot up. 
Sometimes I find uh, sexual pain from women who have been on birth control pills, okay, because uh, the receptors are being hijacked in the vulva vaginal area and they're not as wet. It's sort of ironic, right, because you take the birth control to have sexual freedom, but then you become drier and you have more pain with touch. Um, it can come from that. It can come from childbirth. Yeah, I, mean, I treat a lot of women in the menopausal stage, so sometimes it comes from a hormonal um, the hormonal change, you know, the vaginal dryness, the atrophic. I mean, so this is this is an area that's affected by so many things, right? Sometimes it's poor sitting posture, prolonged sitting posture. Yeah. So it's affected by, by so many different things, so many different aspects of our lives. So it's not just about sex, which a lot of people think, oh, this is just a sexual issue. And I say, no, it's not. It's so much more complex than that. Yeah, no, I see a lot. I had a, I had a patient that came in and she had broke her tailbone and she had pain for like, like, yeah, for months and months mm -hmm. and, you know, and you couldn't figure it out. And then, you know, and it's not like you said, there's not really any mainstream and I don't mean to put it down there, not in a lot of mainstream providers who are looking at this and who really want to go in and to address it, you know, like look at it further. It's like for, with a lot of things, if, if we don't see it on paper and it's not a lab value and it's not an ultrasound that's, that confirms it, you know, we say, okay, then it's not there or it's phantom pain or, you know, a lot of times that pelvic pain um, gets lopped into, you know, you have endometriosis, you know, and then you have the laparoscopy and it's not really endometriosis. And then it's like, okay, well, then they don't know what it is. And, you know, there's a big thing I had, um, I had a patient, you know, with a lot of patients who had vaginismus. So I did, I went in and I dived in and did a lot of research in that area because there's nobody that wants to talk to these women, you know, and it's like, it's not, you can't send them to a urologist because they don't know what to do. You send them to the gynecologist. Uh, okay, they look, everything looks good down there. So I don't know why you're, why you're in pain, you know, God forbid, you know, and then it's like, you know, or I have women who come back from childbirth and they had an episiotomy, you know, and sometimes you get, you get sewn up. I don't mean, you know, we're talking here, truth, sewn up tightly and it hurts yeah. for them afterwards. And, you know, so there's just a gamut. And I think that there's just so much shame around it. Like you were saying, you know, and I'm sure that you see this in the women that come to you. So they feel like a shame. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, like when somebody comes to you, you know, what are some of the things that they're feeling? Because I know that a lot of our audience can relate to that as well. I think when women come to me, um, one of the main things that they're feeling is a sense of overwhelm that nobody listens to them. No one gets what it is that they're going through, you know, that they feel like, you know, Maybe it is all in my head, and sometimes they apologize to me, and I'm like, no, this is this is not something to apologize for. They feel overwhelmed. They feel hopeless. They feel depressed. They feel like a half a woman. They feel broken. They feel misunderstood. And what makes me really crazy about this that is that the practitioner could have alleviated this in the beginning by saying, hey, listen. If, if the practitioner knows enough, and my mission is, and I've created a school around this, is to help practitioners learn how to assess and evaluate so then they can help at that point, you know, at the six-week checkup or at the yearly checkup or whatever checkup it is. It's just a, a, a simply analyzing the pelvic floor muscles by checking ability to release, to contract, you know, coronation trigger points so that the women understand that there's hope for them. So by the time they've come to me, they've either had an unnecessary surgery, they had laparoscopic exploratory surgery, which reveals nothing because it's going to reveal nothing. They've had MRIs, 
CAT scans, they've had Botox injections to their vaginas, they've had numbing creams, they've had um, trigger point injections, and no one is examining and touching where the main issue is. And that's the pelvic floor, the conduit, the, the place where there's the most stress. We're like, let's give them a Band-Aid, let's give them an opiate, let's give them a, a, some sort of pain medication. Let's, oh, you're depressed, that's fine. Let's give them a, a, an antidepressant, let's give them Xanax. And I'm like, no, you don't need all that. What you need to do is you need to learn how to take care of yourself. Because if medical, if the, if the system is not gonna help you, then you're gonna have to find a way. You have to find a way to care for yourself to understand these muscles. And in other countries, this kind of work is routine, you know. I mean, women get pelvic floor physical therapy and they know what to do. But in the U.S., I mean, you know, you go for that checkup, the first thing they ask you is, like, what kind of birth control do you want to use? Not do you have pain? Can you sit? How do you feel? Are you able to, to resume your regular activities? Are you able to walk? You know, these are simple questions. Are you leaking? You know, do, do you, can you, can you make it to the bathroom dry? Do you feel any pressure? Do you feel like there's a bowling ball inside your vagina? Simple diagnostic questions that I think should be asked immediately of all women so that we can save that heartache. And, oh man, there's so many stories, you know, like, oh man, sometimes it's so sad. It really is. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, let's, I know that we can't, you know, dive into anatomy because we're on a podcast here too, but talk to me and let's talk to the women about where is the pelvic floor? Like, I mean, can we, can you just give me a little visual so that they can kind of see, you know, and what are the, some of the muscles that, that, you know, that make up the pelvic floor so that they kind of can get a visual of this? Sure. I, I like to, to, okay, let's talk about the one place that I really absolutely love, and that's the um, area between the anus and the vagina, which is called the perineal body, and there's a lot of trauma that happens to that area. Now, that area can be used, and you can look at it, and you can, you can touch it and feel it, and you can massage it to see if there's any pain there. That's the first thing. But the pelvic floor muscles, I like to think of it as a, as a deep, beautiful tunnel, you know? The, and the pelvic floor muscles get progressively deeper inside the vagina, and they're divided into three layers, which is really cool. And each layer corresponds to your index finger, which makes it so damn simple to do your techniques and your yoni massages, which we can talk about that in a minute. And so the first layer is at the first knuckle, and then the second layer is the second knuckle, and the third layer, the deep layer, which is connected to stability, is connected to the hips and to low back. And sometimes many of these women have low back pain, hip pain, you know, groin pain. Um, so it's sort of like a beautiful tunnel, right? So they're deep in the pelvis, but, the, but our bodies are so amazing and so gorgeous that the external genitalia is also a blueprint to what's happening inside your muscles. So the first layer is underneath the labia majora. So you can just press into there and see if there's any pain and, and address it and do techniques. I address all these techniques in my, in my uh, online program. Or you can look, you know, next to, um, uh, but where the, where the butt is, you know, the butt crack is, uh, let's be honest here, you know, the other anus. And then you can do some massaging in there, and that's the deep levator ani muscles, right? And then you can go next to the perineal body, and then that's the superficial transverse perineal. Well, I want to get, instead of being fancy with all the names, is to know that the internal pelvic floor muscles also have an external blueprint. 
and you can touch yourself there. It is your body. It is your vagina. It is your muscles. And you, if no one's going to touch there, if no one's going to look at it, who, how are you going to communicate what you're feeling to someone else? So sometimes a woman comes to me, she has vaginismus, there's no way that I can go internally on her. I mean, impossible, right? So what do I do? I have to work on the external muscles first. I have to prepare the environment. There's a lot of psychology behind this too. You know, nothing's ever been inside or it's too painful. So sometimes I'll work through the inner thighs to get that first layer to open up. So I, I just think that the female body is so magnificent. And the fact that we can have like, that you can diagnose by looking and touching on the outside what's happening on the inside, well, that's just like, I mean, it's pure genius that we can do that. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's fabulous. But I think like you said too, it's just that women have to learn to listen to their bodies and we have to be okay with touching ourselves. And I think, you know, it depends on what culture, but certain cultures, you know, don't want to do that. Um, and others do. So you have to get comfortable with, you know, what your body feels like. And that's what we talk about a lot, you know, getting in tune with knowing what, you know, how you're supposed to feel so that when you don't feel that way, you can kind of know, okay, something's off and how can I address it in that way? But yes, I'm, I'm with you. I think the body is beautiful and it can heal itself. And I think that there's just so many things that we don't know, you know, cause I quite honestly, before this, I'm, and I'm so glad that I learned about it too, you know, pelvic floor PT. I never even heard of that. You know, I mean, I've heard of other things, you know, and I, and I never heard, you know, urologists talk about it. I never heard gynecologists talk about it or anybody for that matter. You know, I know I work closely with a chiropractor and she does a lot of different types of adjusting in the pelvic, in the pelvic region to help women who have some issues with that too. So I think that, you know, this is a whole other, you know, great area where we don't have to use medications because like you said, women go through so many unnecessary treatments and medications and, you know, it's in our head and there's simple things that just, you know, that touch and physical therapy. And if we just knew about it would, would be fantastic. So I'm um, just so thank you for being out there with, with your message and stuff. It's so cool. Thank I just you. find it fascinating. So I was reading on your, um, on your blog that you were talking about, you know, some breathing exercises and how breathing can, al can alleviate some pelvic pain. So I want to start because, you know, I don't want you to dive into all the stuff that you teach women because, you know, that's your course and stuff like that. But what are like with the breath, what are some simple things that a woman who's listening could start off with, you know, to try to help herself, you know, move down this path that you're talking about? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? You know, at the end, I'll, okay. So let's talk about the breath because I think the breath is really critical. And I do cover this in my female pelvic checklist and it's a free gift and I'm willing to give your entire audience if they're interested in getting it. But to me, the breath is everything. Breath is life. Breath is how we bring juiciness into our vaginas. Breath is how we open. Breath is how we lower down our sympathetic system. And breath is how we get to do what I call the reverse Kegel, okay? So women who typically have pain have very heightened sympathetic system and they're clenching and they're holding and many are breathing incorrectly. So what I've come up with is I come up with this thing called vaginal breathing, right? And I couple the vaginal breathing with something called a reverse Kegel, an opening, a blossoming, a releasing, a letting go, right? Because so many of us are taught to do Kegels and for many women that, just does not work. It creates more tension, more pain. It creates more weakness and more symptoms. So for the breathing, it's sort of like you want to imagine, so we can do this together. You want to imagine that you're taking a very deep breath 
into the belly. We'll practice with that first. Breathe in for five. The belly expands. And as you exhale, the belly lowers or flattens. And then I want all the women listening to this podcast to put their hand on their pubic bone, a little bit lower than the belly. One hand on the belly and one hand on the pubic bone. And what I'd like you to do is send the breath into the pubic bone, right? Into the vaginal area. So when you're breathing, you can do the diaphragmatic breathing. So you're breathing in really deeply, expanding into the belly, but you don't let it stop there. You imagine that the pelvic floor is opening. You're breathing into the vagina, and the vagina, like a beautiful sunflower, is opening and blossoming. Or you can imagine you could put one finger on your tailbone and one finger on your pubic bone, and you can breathe in very deeply. And imagine that those two bones are coming away from each other, and when that happens, that is the essence of a reverse Kegel. It's the essence of being able to receive of being able to ignite an energy in the pelvis that maybe wasn't there because it's so constricted and tight with the lactic acid and the spasms and the trigger points. So it really allows for more circulation and juiciness to go to that area. But it's also like doing a mind-body stretch for your vagina, which is absolutely beautiful. So um, I, I, when, when I did this checklist, I said, well, what can I teach women that I can get them from A to B quickly? What can I give them? And one of the things that I put in there was this breath. Because I feel like if you're, if you're not connected to the breath while you're doing the vaginal work, the pelvic floor work, then we're missing half of the essence of it, right? Because we want to do mind-body. We want to connect our souls to our vaginas, right? Because I always say, she don't lie to me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel something down there, she don't lie to me. You know, something's up. If I'm having pain, if I'm having urgency, if I'm having frequency, if I'm having inability to have orgasms, if my orgasms are disappointing, then I know that that is a way that that my soul is communicating to me. You know, how do I become a better version of my sexual being? How do I become like, how do I ignite my soul and my spirit? So to me, that is the essence of this work. And I really feel like all women all over the world, in the universe, and this galaxy and all the galaxies should be doing, should be massaging their yonis, should be doing this breath work, and should be creating balance and not just doing this kegeling themselves you know, I call it Kegel tension syndrome. When the women come into me and then she goes, oh, I'm not getting better. I'm not doing this. Or they join my online program. I say, what's going on? She goes, well, I'm doing 200 Kegels a day. I'm like, well, that's your problem. You, you haven't created the balance, you know? And if our vaginas are out of balance, then I have bet my last bottom dollar that everything else in your life is out of balance because it is the conduit, right? It is the connector to all. Yes, definitely. And I think that, you know, when we talk about breath and you're talking about it there it's a way it's another way of just slowing down and for us to get centered and i don't think that enough of us do that and i think as women you know because we're going a lot of us are entrepreneurs we're moms we're busy you know we talk about this on all the podcasts with all the guests you know stress is so high today and especially for women because we're going in nine thousand different directions and i think that you know just to quiet down and you can hear yourself and you can breathe and you can actually feel your body is a new concept that I don't think many of us are doing and we don't do it enough of the time. 
you know, so I think that that's a great thing. And I don't think that women, you know, slow down enough to even feel their body or like if something is going wrong, like you said, you know, if you're not having an orgasm or you're not feeling good, you know, what is going on, you know, and then try to find the center of it because we so fast run to, you know, I, yes, if it is something you should go get it medically checked first to make sure that it's nothing medical. Okay, we're not going to say here, don't do that. But once that's all ruled out, you know, then you've got to start to figure out, you know, what else could it be and how can I be a part of the solution? Because, you know, we don't ever like to see that. I see a lot of women, like they want to disconnect and especially in Western medicine, you know, we're, we're this or we're that. And if it's, you know, and we're not a total being and we don't want to heal from head to toe, it's like we want to heal the different parts. So I'm sure that you see that too. And that's kind of like, you know, our, that's, that's, that's our mainstream today. And I think it needs to change. 100%. I totally agree with you, Michelle. And, and the thing is, I, I, I have something called relentless self-care. Relentless. At the cause of everything. Because the thing is, if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't take care of this area of your body, if you, feel this, if, if you just go through the motions of things, and we don't really learn how to care for our bodies, and we don't take back that power, then everything suffers. Yes. The relationship suffers. Your children, you know, because you're not, you're distracted by other things. And to be fully present in our bodies, to be fully present in our vaginas, you know, that is like the essence of being connected to ourselves and to the magnificence of, the, of everything else and to our families and to our relationships. But, you know, we're so used to swallowing down our pain. You know, well, oh, I'm just going to put this off for tomorrow. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do that exercise. I'm too busy. Uh, you know, the thing is, it's, it, it, we have to put ourselves first, especially with everything that's happening in the world today with women and the rising that's happening, you know, and the way women are coming forth and talking about things. Like I've never even seen this before in all the years that I've been around in, 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 in this industry, which has been over a decade, I've never seen how women are so passionate about what's going on with them. But then we have to take it to the next step. It's not just about, hey, this has happened to me, but what are you going to do about it? How are you going to bring that relentless self-care into your everyday? How are you going to bring it in? How are you going to awaken your own inner healer so that you can rely on yourself and you are part of the solution? And you're not looking external to yourself. So I totally agree with what you said. I think that what you said right now is so on target, so magnificent. And th thank you for, for saying that because it's so true. No, and, and like you said, okay, let's just talk about it too here. You know, women, you know, men are very vocal about their sexual being, okay? And especially in the bedroom. <laughs> if they're not getting what they want, you know, they're, they speak up. Women, not so much. You know, they don't want to say to their man, you know, this is bothering me. This hurts. I don't like this. You know, I want it this way. And then we also see, you know, you see on all those magazines, okay, what's it on there? What the woman can do for the man. It's never, you know, and I don't mean to put men down because, you know, I've got two of them in my family and I love dearly, but it's like, you never see like, well, what can a man do to please his woman? You don't see that as a title on, on any of the magazines. So I think, you know, women get backed in this, into the stereotype and they don't even want it when they come in. They don't even want to talk about the issue. I mean, that, mm -hmm. like I, I mean, I have people who come in, you know, and they're, they're afraid and embarrassed because they have a hemorrhoid, you know, oh, I, they don't want yeah. you to look at them, you know, or they don't want you to like, oh gosh, I just know. And, and you have to like pry it out of them. And that's what's hard too, ladies. You have to understand like, and what she's saying is that, you know, if you don't talk about this, how do we on the other end know? 
as a medical person, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. You know, she's not a mind reader. So you have to speak up. Your partner's not a mind reader. So, you know, if you are having issues in these areas, you have to be your own best self-care advocate and you're the one who has to bring, be bringing it to our attention. And so that's what this whole movement is about. And I, and I think that, you know, you're right. I think that women are now standing up and talking more about it because they see other women. And I think on social media, we're seeing all this stuff about no body shame and, you know, and to love yourself, you know, but again, I think that we have to really go back to the main topic of like what you were saying, you know, is that we have to look at ourselves as a woman, as a whole, you know, and everything connects. And when, you know, and like in those different times that we were talking about and you were saying earlier, and you can reiterate on this too for me a little bit, you know, when you go through those like childbirth times, you go through um, pregnancy, you go through, you know, menopause and you have incontinence or you have the atrophic, um, you know, vaginitis and those different things like that, you know, you're not only going through that physically, but you're going through those changes mentally, you know, and your body is physically changing each time you have a child. You know, so things change down there, right? They do. They do. And one of the things that I did in my program, which was really a little controversial, was we're encouraged to do breast exams, monthly breast exams. And I'm all for that. And I love it. And I think that that is on target. But we are not encouraged. And the medical community does not encourage us to look at our vaginas and our vulva vaginal area and make an examination of that and assess what's going on with that. So for me, when I did my program, I brought in a live gynecological model because so many women come to me and they don't even know the different parts of their vagina. And I'm like, and their vulval vaginal area. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to start there. Because then once you know that, then you're not so afraid to touch yourself, right? Once you know that things change, that things look different, then you can communicate that to your healthcare provider. And the thing is, if you... If you go to a healthcare provider and, and, and you're going to be silenced by them, or if you don't feel comfortable in that situation, then my recommendation is that you constantly seek help where your voice is free, where you can express yourself. Sometimes we'll go, and this happened to me, I call it the Dr. Rose Show. When I was on the Dr. Rose Show, when I had my, I call it my vagina madness, everywhere I went, it was like, hey, it's in your head. Here, take a pill. Hey, take an antidepressant. Hey, you want us to inject you with something? I'm like, is that all you've got to offer me? You know, and it wasn't until I started looking. I said, oh, there's scar tissue there. Oh, that looks a little strange. What's that? I started whipping up my anatomy book, and I'm like, oh, wow. It wasn't until I started putting my own finger inside my own vagina to feel it that I was like, oh, there's a bunch of scar tissue there. Of course, I have this pudendal nerve issue. It's probably being trapped. And then I started to apply the anatomy to what was happening to me. And it was an awakening. And the first time I looked at my vagina after I had my baby, because before that, you know, you don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> I was like, holy mackerel. It was such a beautiful awakening for me. And I wanted all women to have that awakening. And so I encourage all women to do this vulva vaginal, you know, exam, a look at things. Because, you know, they say a picture paints a thousand words. And I am not kidding you. You're going to be noticing things. And you can touch yourself. You can pinpoint your pain or you can pinpoint whatever's going on. And then you can bring that knowledge to your provider or you can bring that knowledge to your self-care program. And then now, now we're like, now we're in it. Now we're saying, hey, 
I'm, this is me. I want to do it my way. I want to, this is, this is what's going on in my body and I need help. Can you help me? And can I help myself more importantly? Definitely. I, I encourage, like I tell women, we talk about it all the time here. You know, you have to be your own best self-care advocate. Like you said, if you are going someplace and you're talking with your medical provider and they're not doing what you want, go find a new one. There is no law that says that you have to stay with the person that you're with. You know, you have to seek out somebody. You need to feel comfortable because you've got to be talking about these things. And it's a 50-50 relationship. That's how I've always looked at it for my practice and my patients. You know, I'm 50%, you're 50%, and we're coming together to form 100%. So I'm on your side, but you also have to know that, you know, you need to be number one and be bringing it and saying, hey, no, no, this isn't, I'm not getting what I need. And maybe I need to go find somebody else or I need to be bringing something in because I always love it when my patients would bring things into me and I'm like, oh yeah, because you know, I'm busy. I can't be everywhere and know everything. Absolutely. So when they, would bring me, when they would bring me in articles and say, oh, let's look at it. I'm like, hey, absolutely. Let's check it out. You know, if it's not going to kill you or hurt you, let's try it. You know, so yeah. I'm for a lot of new things and you have to, ladies, you have to also be willing to be open to new things as well. Just like what she's saying, you know, even if you haven't heard of it before, and it may seem like totally off the wall or something very unusual for you, or if you've never touched yourself and, you know, and you've got to get to feel comfortable with that, then do it. If it's going to make you feel better, then you need to be open to some of those things, even if they're, they seem unconventional, you know, because unconventional things usually are the, are the good things, right? Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. So I think this is awesome. So ladies, we're going to give, she's given us a lot of great stuff. So now I also want you to talk to me about, cause I also, I, I, I did a lot of reading on your, on your blog and stuff. I was fascinated. Perfect. So I want to know about, I know that you talk about the eight positions that can eliminate pain with intercourse, but talk yeah. to me about four or even if you, Hey, if you want to talk about the eight, we got time, go ahead and talk about All the right. eight. Okay, I'll talk about a couple of different things. What we have to remember is that the pelvic floor muscles are also influenced by what's happening in our glutes, what's happening in our lumbar spine, what's happening in our thoracic spine, right? It's a two-way communication. So when there's pain with sex, I always encourage, of course, you know, vaginal yoni massages. I do encourage dilator work. And there's a slew of things that I recommend. But <clears throat> if you're trying to be more comfortable while you're having sex, then some of the positions I actually printed out, and I can actually put this in as a gift for you guys too. Um, Depending, if you have something going on with the lumbar spine, herniated disc, lumbar disc that's driving to the pelvic pain, right? Because that's a big driver. And a lot of women have pain in their backs. I recommend all fours, but with the butt sticking out a little bit so you're in extension, right? And if that doesn't work, then you want to be in neutral. So neutral is like the pelvis is even. And extension is like you're sticking the butt out a little bit while you're on all fours. It unweighs. Um, the lumbar spine, and it also helps maintain the disc material in place. So you're sort of giving yourself therapy at the same time, which is sort of cool, right? I think yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I think that's uh, cool too. It's really cool. I, I mean, I really thought about this because I have so many women come in with sexual pain and they still want to be intimate. And I, of course, I encourage if you have pain, address the pain first, you know, do what I call outer course and find a way to be intimate that way. But sometimes, even if I give that advice, no one's listening to me. Okay. So I said, okay, so what can I help? So I like the all fours with a little bit of the butt sticking out. Um, I do like spooning, you know, from the side because sometimes that's neutral and you want to, you can turn to look at your partner. Um, I do like positions where you can guide um, 
and we talk about uh, women with either the finger, you can guide the finger in or you can guide the, the penis inside where you can see it. I do like women on top because a lot of women can't um, tolerate full penetration. So sometimes I encourage you stay on top and you put like two or three little pillows underneath your booty. And then you're just taking a, you know, you're doing like a range of motion sex, I call it. Minimal, you know, not the whole thing, just you're working within a certain range that's comfortable with you. So I really do enjoy doing that. Um, what else? I have my, my thing here. When there's a prolapse, right? And women, I, I mean, I treat a lot of prolapse and 49% of women have prolapse and they're really afraid to have sex. One of the things that I really love for prolapse is having sex in what I call the resting position, where you put a couple of pillows underneath your butt and everything goes back to where it should be. And sometimes that helps with the discomfort of prolapse. Prolapse also, there's pain associated with that. So, so those are some of the positions that I absolutely um, really love. And a lot of lubrication, make sure the lubrication is organic. I would avoid things with alcohol in it and paraffins and stuff like that because those can dry up the vulva vaginal tissues and sometimes sex hurts because we're really dry, you know? So making sure that everything is really moist and just using as much lubrication as possible. Having your partner stretch out your yoni beforehand is really fantastic. You can use that as part of foreplay, but also sometimes when you open and stretch, the breath that we talked about, the diaphragmatic breathing and the vaginal breathing, that's important because that is the beginning of being receptive and the beginning of allowing someone to go inside. So these are the different kind of things that you can use um, if you have pain with sex, but of course you should always address the, the painful sex. I'm a big believer that if you have pain with sex, something's going on, and you need to address it, but these positions will help. So all fours position, the spooning position, the resting position is great, and the woman on top will really be very helpful. And also any position where you can guide and see what's coming. <laughs> no surprises. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. It's definitely, I, I, so those are so good. So ladies, okay, she's going to, we're going to put the link in there so that you yeah, can. Yeah, I'll put that, I'll put this. that up there for you guys so, so you can have it for sure. So we're getting a lot of great stuff here today. So also, okay, so since we're on this topic of sex, so tell me, okay, so let's talk about orgasm because we don't, you know, I'm going to tell them in the beginning, you know, we're talking about all these great topics that, you know, people are not going to hear talk about normally. So talk to me about orgasm and how can we as women make it better if it's not the greatest thing in the world or, you know, how do we, because there's so many women who don't even have an orgasm. You know, yeah. and they just, and they just go through, you know, we, you know, fake it or whatever. So let's talk about that a little bit too. Okay. I, I think that for, for orgasm, first of all, I think there needs to be a deep exploration of the body, of your body. And if you know what turns you on and sets you on fire, then I think that you can communicate that so that you, you're feeling a little bit more you know, hot while you're in the throes of passion. Sometimes we're so scared to be vocal with our partner about what really makes us tick. So I think, first of all, you have to sort of like be in the zone of wanting to have an orgasm, right? Now, I just met a woman at a conference this weekend who's never had an orgasm with sex, okay? And I dug a little bit deeper into her obstetrical uh, history. I'm having a cocktail. I'm having this conversation with this woman. And one of the things that I found out was that she had had a scar that went, that when she gave birth, went into her labia. And the scar, and we, as we know, the dorsal nerve to the clitoris 
goes like a bunch of fingers into the labia majora. So if I wanted to have better orgasms, I would make sure that my labia majora is moving nicely and there's no trigger points in there and no pain. And you can do that just by touching and rolling it. Simple techniques. I think for, for orgasms, sometimes the muscles are too tight. If they're too tight, you're not going to orgasm. You're gonna, you might get to somewhat to the mountaintop and then it goes, eh, eh, and you're like, what was that? Because right. the pelvic floor muscles are responsible for sexual function. So if they're too tight, you're going to have an issue of not being able to orgasm. So doing some yoni massages and yoni stretches are very important with, and doing reverse kegels. But I also know that some women can't orgasm because the muscles are too weak, right? So being able to do a correct kegel in the right ratio. And so there's no kegel without a reverse kegel. I mean, you have to do both right? Because if you want better orgasms, you need more flexible, coronated, juicy muscles. If they're too tight, you're going to have difficulty. If they're too weak, you're going to have difficulty. So like any other muscle in the body, the way we would massage our muscles, the way we would um, press into our muscles when there's pain, like if you have pain here, you're pressed into it. It's the same thing, vulva vaginal. So for better orgasms, I like a woman really understanding what really turns her on and exploring her body and touching herself. I like the yoni massages. I think those are super important because if they're too tight, it's going to be so difficult. It's going to be almost impossible. Okay. And if they're too weak, then you want to get in a sensible pelvic health program that's going to bring you results. And using different positions and communicating, you know, about what really is lighting you on fire, I think is important and not being shy and, and being, and telling the person, listen, you know, I need to switch positions. You know, I, this is not working for me. Let, let's go. Let's try this. Let's um, do this for me. You know? So I think having the muscles being really strong, flexible, coordinated, right. And addressing any scars, childbirth scars, even cesarean scars can have an effect on orgasms, you know? Addressing that, I think these are critical things that we need to be thinking about because sometimes we blame ourselves. Like this woman I was having cocktails with, she was just like, that's just the way I am. I'm like, no, that's not just the way you are. No, no. It's your right to have amazing, fabulous orgasms and to feel deeply connected. There is a physical issue here. I mean, of course, there's also an emotional, spiritual issue to it too. But, you know, I talk about the physical stuff. And so I gave a couple of tips and some of these, these are some of the tips I gave her. And, and I was really happy. I was like, okay, there it goes. I'm having cocktails at a conference and I'm talking about orgasms. <laughs> good. This is good. You know? Yeah. Those are, you know, those are the kind of conversations that we need to be having out there. Yeah. So, okay. So you talked a lot about this Yoni massage. So tell us what is Yoni and then how can it help with both orgasm and with bladder care or with any, all of our pelvic pain issues that we have? Okay. So the, the one thing that I love, I think yoni massages, and if you want, I can include this in the gift too, because I, I think women need to understand how to massage their vaginas. And I'm, I just give it to you guys. Um, I like something called, um, I call it the yoni stretch. And it's a very simple stretch. When you stretch your pelvic floor muscles, the way you would stretch your hamstrings and your quads, you, if you stretch your hamstrings and your quads, you get better performance, right? You run better. You know, you can do your ballet better. You can do your Zumba better. You can do your what, CrossFit. You can do soul cycling better. 
It is the same thing with the vagina and the pelvic floor muscles. If we stretch them, we increase circulation. We increase flexibility. We improve coordination. We improve response. So very simple. You want to imagine that the vaginal opening is a clock, and 12 o'clock is by the clitoris, and 6 o'clock is by the anus. You're going to lubricate your finger very well, and you use a finger that's really comfortable. I use my, my thumb, and I lubricate my finger very well, and I go into the 6 o'clock, put my finger inside the vagina, locate my 6 o'clock, and just press down into it. And while I'm pressing down into it, I'm also doing that deep breath that I gave you, that vagina breath, because then I'm creating stretching, but I'm also telling the body that it can stay at that nice, flexible, and open position, right? Because our brains take a long time to catch up to what's happening in our bodies, right? So it's really nice when you incorporate this mind-body connection. And that's the simplest. I mean, I have 13 different ways to massage your yoni. Okay, there's so many things you can do. But this I find is the simplest. I find if there's scar tissue there, it alleviates some of the scar tissue. I find if they've been sewed up too, too tight, also. I find if the women is, are not really connecting to their Kegels, like they can't feel it or their Kegels are fizzling or they're not strong, I find that if you do the yoni massage, you get your power back. So I really love this very simple, simple yoni massage to create more pelvic power and more sexual power and more responsiveness out of the muscles. So I like my muscles to be nice and flexible and juicy and have circulation. <laughs> and I know that when my vagina is like at its top shape, I'm feeling good. You know, when I was at the, the, the lowest point in my life, you know, when things weren't working and it took me a long time to come back, I really felt broken. And no one, no one, not even my doctor, no one told me these simple techniques that I can do. No, no I, I, I hear you. Yeah. I know because um, I don't mean to interrupt you there too, but it's like when you feel that you have this power and you have this knowledge of something that you can do, then the whole world really opens up because you understand it. I think that, you know, when you don't understand it and you're in the dark is when you start thinking of all these things and you don't, and you feel helpless. I know just like what you were saying with when you, after you gave birth and stuff, I mean, when I had the um, hormonal shift and thing and people were just telling me it was in my head and I didn't understand it. And then when I did find the answers and I did understand it, I was like, okay, so this is what's going on in my body at that time of the month. Okay. I can now deal with it because I know what it is. It's not something taboo and I can work through it. And so that's like what you're talking about here too, you know, it's just finding things that work for us and, you know, and not being ashamed to do those things and to put those things into practice, you know, especially for ourselves, because I don't think women do enough for themselves. No. And the thing is, we're so used to taking care of everybody else and putting everybody else ahead of us that by the time we even get on the list, we're so tired, we just need to go bad, right? So my thing with relentless self-care is, Make an appointment for yourself. Like, we'll make an appointment to get a manicure and a pedicure, but we won't make an appointment to stretch our vaginas and look at our vaginas and do our pelvic floor health work. And I always find that so ironic, right? I'm like, wow, it takes 45 minutes. That's longer than what I'm giving you to do, you know? But we're so used to having someone do something to us, right? That we forget, no, that we own this body. 
that this is our magnificent, that this is the way we're going to rise up as women, you know, to be deeply connected. And if we only have five minutes and all you have time is to do that yoni massage, then that's it. But you've done something to get yourself closer to whatever your goal is for your public health. And for me, it's better to do something than to do nothing at all. Because if you do nothing at all, then there's no change, right? If you want change, you have to make the change happen for you. You can't sit there and think that healing happens by osmosis or diffusion. No, you have to be an active participant. And so self-care that you can do and you can incorporate into your life and you put that on the top of your list and everybody comes after that, then you know, you're going to feel like, you know, you're going to go to the top of the top of the mountaintop. You're going to be like, hey, look at me. I'm so like feeling so in my power. I'm so awesome, you know. So I, I think that there's a change happening. I see it. Women asking questions, podcasts like this. Thank you so much for doing this, Michelle, because I understand that this, sometimes this topic is sensitive, you know, and a lot of people may not cover it, but Really deep gratitude to you for bringing this out there and, and helping the women connect more to their essence and relentless self-care. I mean, you come first. You know, it's like when you're on the plane, right? What do they tell you the first thing you do? You put the oxygen mask on you, right? You're not going to put it on your kid first. That makes no sense. You are the driver of your body. You are what I call the superstar queen. So we need to, we need to own that. We need to just feel that for ourselves and know that we're worthy and know that we're enough and know that we're magnificent. And it starts with our vaginas. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And you said, <laughs> no, you said so many important things too. And I think part of it is just because society and Western medicine, you know, dictates that you have someone do it for you. You know, I have like, and sometimes when I'm practicing, I just get so discouraged because it's like, okay, everybody just comes in and just dumps all their stuff on you and they want me to figure it out. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, where are you in this process? Okay. I mean, I need you to figure it out. Okay. I need you to work on this, especially like people who come in and up like who di diabetics and different things like that, who have to change lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I, I said, I, you know, I can't go shopping for you. I can't go home with you and cook. You have to be a participating person in this. And it's like, they don't want to be, they just want everything for me to do it or a pill to do it or something. So I think, you know, that shift is starting. And again, relentless self-care, because that's what we're really all about is just, again, I try to tell women, you know, that you need to put yourself first because this is who you are and you run all these other things. And if you're not up to par to do it and your health is not where it needs to be, how is all this other stuff going to get done? But they think that, you know, being this great woman or this queen in our own lives, like my, my friend just did a conference on that too, is about taking care of everybody else. And the more you take care of other people and the more you do for other people, then that's the crown that sits up here, you know, because mm -hmm. this isn't, this is selfish. You know, we think of, you know, women think of self-care as selfish. So we've been talking a lot about that this year, about that self-care is not selfish. It's about, it's the most important thing because mm -hmm. you are the most important thing. Without you, nothing gets done. And women, your sexuality, women are known for their sexuality, okay? A woman is the essence of sexuality. You see it in music, you see it in art, you see it in all this stuff. And, you know, and so if you're not grasping onto that, like what she's talking about, 
then you know, you're missing so much of who you are as a woman because that's our soul. And so many women, you know, we talked about it here today, you know, you do not need to suffer in silence. Um, you know, we've gotten a lot of great stuff, you know, she's given us, Issa's given us a lot of great stuff to look at. We're going to link a lot of this stuff up there. And I'm so, I thank you as well from the bottom of my heart, because, you know, for giving us so much of this great um, stuff and for providing that information and being out there. So I want you, because I'm not going to ask you that last question, because that I ask everybody about self-care and what you, do, well, what do you do for self-care then? What I do is I started in the morning. I have a morning routine. Um, and I think it's really important that we set the tone for how we're going to execute the rest of our day. You can wake up and overwhelm. You can wake up and be like, oh, my God, you know, the kids doing this. or I have to go to work. But if you wake up 15 minutes earlier, if you do not hit that snooze button, okay, you can even do it in the shower. The thing is to plan it and to do it. So in the morning, I get up. I do my meditation. I do my breath work. I'll massage my vagina in, the, uh, in my shower, okay? I'll do some foam rolling. I'll journal, you know, and I'll, I'll make a list of what I'm grateful for. And one of them is that I'm having a magnificent, amazing, and incredible sex life. And, but that takes work, right? So I try to do it in the morning because if I don't do it in the morning, then my day gets crazy and then I get crazy. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't put myself first and, and then I feel bad. So in order not to feel bad, I make an appointment with myself. It's, 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 a, it's a radical move, movement to this, radical to make an appointment of self-care for yourself in your appointment book. So whenever you can do it. If that's when the kids go to school, fine. If that's during your lunch hour, sometimes I have women doing their things in the bathroom in their offices, but that's all they have. And I'm always constantly saying, what do you have? What can you bring to the table? Let's work with that. So that it doesn't become overwhelming, you know, but I know that everyone here can do at least five minutes a day. So if that's what we start with, we start with five minutes a day. And five minutes is a really long time. You'd be amazed how many things you can do in five minutes, you know? You can breathe. You can stretch. You can do reverse Kegel. You can do your Kegels, you know? You can lay there and open up your heart and, and visualize all the beautiful things in your life so that you're coming from a place of abundance, you know? So for me, it's like, where can you fit it in? And you put it in and you, you freaking prick your finger. And you put a dot of blood on it. I'm very dramatic. I'm Latin, you know? And you say, that's it. That's what's going to make me be the queen, the superstar queen that I am. Not giving it all away to everybody else in your life. And then you wake up and you're depleted because you're working from an empty vessel. And so self-care, relentless self-care fills you. And when you fill, then you can give it to others. Otherwise, you, you, you're just going to deplete yourself and you're, you're just going to wait. You're not going to be happy. And for me, women's happiness is, is my thing, you know. Making sure they know what to do, making sure that they, they feel that they have this voice, that they're being listened to. And so relentless self-care is the radical movement. It is the movement, you know, and we just have to make an appointment with ourselves and do the things that you can do and then don't judge yourself if it doesn't work out. But always give it your 100% effort. Oh, that was beautiful. Woman after my own heart. Thank you. Hey, Thank you. Thank you. I, 
I have been meeting so many fabulous women on this podcast and, you know, they're all part of my tribe. So I just, I just love it. So I want to ask you, okay, this, before we go, tell me about the reverse Kegel. Okay. Cause most women know the Kegel. Okay. You know, do it on the toilet, do it in the car seat, do it wherever you are at, but talk to me about why and what is the reverse Kegel? Why is it important? And do we do Kegel and reverse Kegel same time? Or how do we do that? Okay. So the main thing that I want to let everyone know is that there is such a thing as Kegel tension syndrome and just doing too many Kegels. There is, for every Kegel that you do, you must do the opposite. There's always equal and opposite reactions. Isn't this, I think, a law of physics. If you go up and you tighten, then you must come down and open and release. Okay, because if you do too much tightening, you're gonna shorten the muscle. You're gonna, you're gonna the pelvic floor muscles, the vaginal muscles. You're going to um, things will suffer. You could become more symptomatic. You can have more pain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So for every kegel, there's a reverse kegel. So I don't believe that you do one without the other. Some people, some women, could only do reverse kegels. So if you have vulvodynia, vaginismus, interstitial cystitis, hip pain, back pain, scar pain. You may want to start with just the reverse Kegel, which is of the reverse Kegel is works with the breath. Everything is breath, right? So as you inhale, like I said before, it's like it's like breathing with your vagina. You're breathing in very deeply, and then as you're breathing in, you're opening. And you can do this with yoga poses. I'm big on yoga. I have a yoga program that I love this to do this with. But you can you can get into child's pose and start to breathe into your vagina, imagining that. The vagina is opening, that the coccyx and the tailbone are coming away, the tailbone and the pubic bone are coming away from each other. Or you can simply put your finger inside your vagina and you can start to breathe around your finger so that all the four walls of the pelvic floor are opening, right? Because when you have flexibility, like when you have flexible hamstrings, flexible quads, flexible chest muscles, you have better posture. You can run faster, right? Without flexibility in the pelvis, without the reverse Kegel, there is no power. And that's something that I'm very passionate about. And I, I, I'm like the no Kegel person, but I do believe in Kegel, reverse Kegel, and sometimes only reverse Kegels. And that's all about breathing really deeply into the pelvis and imagining, you can imagine that your vagina is a very tight rose. And as you breathe in, you know, petal by petal, the rose is opening and you get this magnificent looking rose. And a lot of women get really afraid. They're like, oh, I'm going to be too stretched out. I'm going to be um, too open. And I'm like, absolutely not. Because you're going to have the flexibility to then create the power that you search for, the Nevada. And so most women's programs fail because they're doing way too many Kegels and not enough balancing work. Everything is balance. Everything is yin and yang. You know, without the two components, you will have, you know, disappointing orgasms or no orgasms or pain with penetration or you name it. So I'm a big believer that what you learn that and then you can progress to a, we call it up trading, right? And I have like 21 different types of Kegels and um, several types of, of reverse Kegels, but I think that rose imagery is very powerful. And the pubic bone from the coccyx bone, very powerful. So I would start with those. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Okay, so tell us, where can we find you? I mean, are you on Instagram, your Facebook? And we're going to link all those other things up. Or if you want to talk about your books, anything, go ahead and end with that. 
Oh, perfect. I mean, if, you, if you're interested in finding out more about my work, I welcome you to go to my website, which is pelvicpainrelief.com. And then what I'm going to do, uh, Michelle, for you, I want your tribe to have a very special gift. So I'll do pelvicpainrelief.com front slash Michelle Broad so they know that that's your gift because it's very specific to your things here. Um, so I'll have some of that. You can follow me on Instagram. I do a lot of lives. So you, can, you might want to come to one of my lives and, you know, ask me a question there so I can help you. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And I'll send you all those links that you have them. I mean, if you want to find me, you can find me. You know, and then all my books are on, this, uh, on Amazon. You know, they're all on Amazon. Cool. And then, so, okay. So, ladies, look her up. I'm going to definitely hop on a live and I'm going to just check it out. Because I, think, <laughs> I, th I think Facebook is fabulous. And if you can do lives and hey, and you answer questions, ladies, then go here and, f and talk to her. Yeah, That's I'll post. I'm doing a live. Fun. I'm going to do a live soon. I try to do them once a week. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll post it for next time. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for all this fabulous, fabulous information you gave us today. And we will check back with you soon. Yeah, and thank you so much, Michelle, for having me and for being so open to this conversation and for doing the work that you do. It's thank so important. I, wanna, I just want to thank you for the, because it's extraordinary. I went and I checked out all your stuff and I was like, wow, she's really doing some good work for the women. And I'm, I'm so happy. Well, so thank happy you so with your work and, and with the podcast and everything. Oh, well, thank you too. And I, you know, and I feel the same way because I think that we all need to do this work together. And the more of us that are out there talking about these things, the more we are going to be, we are going to bring it to the forefront and women are going to benefit from this. So I think we all have a fabulous place out there and I'm honored as well to talk with you and to check out all your stuff too. And we're going to stay friends, girl. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So thank you. And we'll talk to you soon.